Hi, this is Gary Meese with The Case Against. I'm going to apologize for uh, my last podcast cutting off before I got to the end. Uh, I was discussing the West Memphis Three Defense Council's petition to the courts to remedy the uh, loss, missing, destroyed evidence in the case and I don't know what happened on a te- from a technical end, but I was having a lot of problems with the technology. And it's fairly simple technology, but I'm not really that adept at it and handling it. And uh, I, I, But I don't think it was anything I did. I'm not really sure what happened, but it got cut off, and I was just simply too tired to carry on. And on top of that, I'd already talked for 40 minutes about some fairly technical stuff and I just felt like that was enough and it seemed to end at a fairly good place so again I apologize but I'm going to remedy that today speaking of remedies by uh, wrapping up my discussion of this petition Um, and briefly what's happened is it was recently discovered that some of the evidence in the case has been lost. Actually, they knew that some of it had been lost even back in 2011 when the West Memphis Three were uh, released. Um, the paper bags where the evidence was, some of the evidence was kept as is pretty standard uh, storage uh, method used in law enforcement. Um, those paper bags had not been preserved, for instance. And the defense was well aware of that, and they didn't make a huge issue of it back in the day. Um, what's, um, what's happened is uh, Bob Ruff, podcaster, made a big deal about the uh, MVAC technology offering new, uh, seemingly new methods of gathering and collecting and and analyzing DNA. And Bob took it upon himself to sort of single-handedly petition the prosecuting attorney's office to have the DNA uh, re-examined. Of course, this got absolutely nowhere because Bob has no standing in the case and didn't do it through any official means. He just sort of bumbled his way into it and basically was just blowharding about it. And I probably just coined a verb, but Bob does blowhard a lot. And his supporters, his little army of people down in the basement who were supposedly helping him solve the cases, uh, jumped on this and wrote letters to the then-prosecuting attorney, Scott Ellington, uh, demanding that this be done. Ellington, if you listen to... I don't really know exactly what happened there because I'm not privy, I'm not privy to that information. Some of it's probably almost certainly in writing. Some of it is prob- was probably over the phone or something like that. I don't really know. It's not really that clear. 
but I, I'm not, I don't have access to the record of those conversations. Uh, they may be quite possibly uh, their public record, and maybe I could get those if I was really so motivated. But uh, I have a feeling that, uh, and I, you know, maybe I should do that, but. Uh, I think all that's going to come out in the course of the discovery process on this petition, assuming the court gives them the go-ahead on this. And they do have a freedom of information, uh, which I'm going to get in today, but a freedom of information request from Damian Eccles for records concerning the evidence. What is most relevant in all this is, from my standpoint, there's several things that are most relevant. MVAC is not new. It's been around since at least 2008 or so, which is several years before the West Memphis Three were released and before they were doing a lot of the new DNA testing they did, they did prior to their uh, plea, plea deal in which they pleaded guilty in 2011 and were released. An Alfred plea, which they can continue to say they're innocent, but it is in fact a guilty plea. As we've mentioned many, many, many times. And um, so it, that technology was available to them then. Uh, it's striking that, you know, there were some parts of the evidence, the, the record of evidence that were not available and that was not available in 2010, 2011, probably back to earlier than that even, uh, such as the paper bags. However, uh, most of the evidence that the defense requested in 2000 in, the, in, in that era was sent off to Bode Laboratories for, or Bode, I don't know how it's pronounced, B-O-D-E, uh, lab, laboratories for testing. And... Um, they didn't seem to be too happy with results, which is one reason that they uh, came up with the idea, let's work out a plea deal, which is the whole thing. This whole case is very unusual. I, I don't know. There probably, because there's so many cases, there's probably some other cases somewhere where somebody who's got an evidentiary hearing scheduled and actually, and actually, and on top of that, actually has also the prospects of maybe getting their uh, convictions re uh, held in abeyance while they undergo new trials because of uh, alleged jury misconduct, which hasn't been proven. But you know, maybe it would have been proven in court, and maybe all that would have been shot down. I don't think it's a given. Scott Ellington liked to act as if it was a given because it gives him an easy out. Uh, he would be remiss if he didn't go to court and make the case that there was no jury conduct. I suspect he wouldn't have rolled over so easy when it actually came time to fish or cut bait. But he's a little weasel, so what do you expect? Um, Scott Ellington is no longer the prosecuting attorney, and all these conversations with Bob Ruff really came about mostly after uh, his uh, oxygen 
uh, specials last year, which were really pretty terrible, but uh, did get quite a bit of viewership. Uh, attempted to explore some new ground, but really, really, did, most of it was some of it was just plain ridiculous. Uh, as I've gone over before, and and there wasn't really anything new other than, uh, and really you have to see the full interviews, which are available on YouTube, to see David Jacoby, J David Jacoby's very long interview with uh, Ruff, uh, where he talks about how he and Terry Hobbs looked for the boys that evening. Jacoby being a friend of Terry Hobbs, who he's basically one of Hobbs' main alibis. Not that Hobbs really needs an alibi, but he has one. The That's pretty new. But anyway, um, so there was a lot of public pressure again. Scott Ellington reacted to this apparently by saying, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll let you look at the DNA of it. We'll we'll have this re-examined." Now the agreement that Ellington uh, worked out with the West Memphis Three defense back in 2011 stated that if there was you know a credible reason for re-examining DNA evidence, that he agreed. To do so, which is again, that's very reasonable. the The problem is, is there's they have presented there's two problems. The West Memphis Three defense has presented no credible reason why the evidence should be ex re-examined on the basis of they've got some sort of new theory about who did it. There's some other evidence that they've uncovered, whatever. They have a new suspect, whatever. There's been none of that. And in fact, most what's most highly relevant is they still haven't petitioned the court to have this old evidence re-examined. They still have that option available to them. They've had that option available to them for nine years and 11 months and some days and counting down to a full decade. And they haven't, they never have bothered to do that yet. We've got three people who have at least some reason if they think, if they've been convicted, but they still think they're innocent to prove their innocence, which they haven't made any attempt to do other than give. BS interviews to podcasters in the cases of two of them, and the other one just hides out in the trailer park. Uh, they haven't made the case that there's a reason to, for this DNA evidence to be re-examined, and they haven't filed the motion, The they haven't done the basic work that needs to be done to put that into place. Keith Cressman, who became the prosecuting attorney uh, in January, succeeding uh, Scott Ellington, who's now a judge, wrote to Eccles Council on April 1st, 20, April 1st of this year, 
I confirm with my predecessor your discussion based on this description. It sounds like your client wants to use the MVAC wet vacuum based collection method analysis. Regardless of whether this will yield valuable evidence, releasing the material isn't my decision. The property is seized. It doesn't belong to my office. So you'll need to petition the court asking for permission and giving the state an opportunity to be heard. But in anticipation of your client's motion, I've asked the West Memphis Police Department to catalog what remaining evidence there is. Now, Cressman had informed the, the uh, West Memphis Three defense that some of this evidence was uh, missing, but there's still still some evidence. Apparently, we're not really sure what. You know, not it's not really clear what's ever's been tested thoroughly for DNA. Uh, it's not. We don't know what the DNA results were from 2011. The uh, results were. I'm certainly given to the defense team, and it was their responsibility to pass those results on to the prosecuting attorney's office so the state could examine the evidence in anticipation of the evidentiary hearing for set for December 2011. And what happened instead of presenting the results of the DNA examinations, they opted for the plea deal. I will argue again that that doesn't really suggest that they had really great DNA evidence they were going to bring to court to force a new trial. I mean, arguably, uh, we might have, the DNA evidence might have implicated the West Memphis Three in very explicit ways. I doubt it, seriously, because frankly, there wasn't a whole lot of DNA evidence to be recovered from the scene, but, uh, you know, there was some. And uh, because of all the potential for contamination, there's a lot of questions about how even that evidence is, how good that evidence is. You know, uh, for instance, there were penal swabs uh, that revealed evidence, uh, DNA evidence of uh, some unknown party. And this raised a question for a long time. How could this possibly have happened with these little boys? Somebody's DNA gets on the penis of one of the boys. And then... If you look at what actually happened, uh, the boys were being improperly handled in the crime lab. I mean, there was DNA transmission possible there. So, and that's probably where that came from. We don't know for an absolute fact, but that's almost certainly it. But the thing is, is that here it says... You'll need to petition the court. They have not petitioned. They've petitioned the court to complain about the evidence being missing, but they have not petitioned the court to re-examine the DNA, to take what evidence is still there, and let's send it off to a, a, a lab and have it retested. And again, the agreement between 
the state and the defense counsel is there has to be a credible reason for doing this. The fact is, is that the technology was available in, in 2011 and they didn't avail themselves of it, then that is on the defense. It's not the state. The state's not responsible for the fact that the DNA, which was well-funded and had a lot of top lawyers and brought in a lot of top experts, but if they missed an opportunity there to do the latest and best DNA testing, um, that's on them. And, you know, perhaps they really, really, really didn't want to have that kind of DNA testing done. Maybe they were just looking for some more hairs from Terry Hobbs and somebody's boot lace. And I, apparently they didn't find that either, now did they? Not that it would prove much of anything. And the hair they did find, actually, you can't even prove that's actually from Terry Hobbs because it's mitochondrial DNA that's shared by literally millions of other people in the United States and quite a few people in West Memphis. More than likely, we haven't had them tested, but the, 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 statistically, the odds are very high. There would be a lot of people in, in West Memphis who shared that mitochondrial DNA. And some of it's, some mitochondrial DNA is rarer than others. I think my mitochondrial DNA and my DNA testing is shared with like one in, yeah, my, I guess mine's very special, but I think it's one in 88,000 or something like that. It still translates to a lot of people in a, a, a large population. Uh, but if, you know, if it were, if they, did that with me and it was a small town it would certainly make it it still couldn't prove it was mine but they would certainly make it much much more likely anyway uh, we uh, I think I made the big points here in terms of where we are with this I'm going to try to wrap this up uh, with the last section and it and I got into this a little bit before it cut off but basically we're talking there's a Arkansas code section 1212104 also known as the Arkansas DNA statute it this is what the petition says expressly provides that quote a, in a prosecution for a sex offense or a violent offense, the law enforcement agency shall preserve, subject to a continuous change of custody, any physical evidence secured in relation to a trial, and of sufficient official documentation to locate that evidence. B, after a trial resulting in conviction, the evidence shall be impounded and securely retained by a law enforcement agency. Retention shall be greater of a permanent following any conviction for a violent offense. Uh, they added, they underlined that in their petition um, and put emphasis added. There's more to the DNA statute, but I, I'm not going to quote it because it's not that relevant. Uh, you know, they were looking more at sex crimes than they were other crimes, but certainly the statute says what it says, and 
So supposedly any DNA ga evidence gathered for a violent offense should be preserved. And uh, it says the West Memphis 3 case can self-evidently involve the self the West Memphis 3 case self-evidently involved convictions for violent offense and therefore equally self-evidently required permanent preservation of the evidence in the case. No argument there, that's true. And they've been preserving the evidence up until this time, but you know, there were mistakes made, uh, misjudgments, I guess things just get, you know, there's a certain, maybe there was a certain amount of carelessness in some of this. Who knows? Somebody's responsible for that, but determining who that is at this point it would be well nigh impossible. Um, and it says significantly section 1212.104 also provides a framework for the quote, the prosecuting attorney or law enforcement agency having custody of the evidence to petition the court with notice to the defendant for entry of an order allowing dispossession of the evidence unquote, under certain conditions. And these conditions are primarily designed to further opportunities for further DNA testing and other forensic analysis of the case evidence before any of it is destroyed. No prosecuting attorney or law enforcement agency ever invoked that framework and thus its conditions were never satisfied to allow any destruction of evidence in the West Memphis 3 case. Uh, any willful conscious destruction of evidence in the West Memphis 3 case, true. Uh, was there intent to destroy, or did things just get destroyed in the course of time? Apparently there was a, a fire in a storage bin, and I've gone over this again. I don't really know how fires break out in storage bins, and um, I can imagine a few scenarios where that might be, I mean, cer certainly it's possible, but it might even be likely, depending on what you had stored. But... Uh, it, that 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 whole description needs an explanation, and the West Memphis Police Department's been asked to explain that, or at least provide at least provide records that would be somewhat explanatory, and they haven't been able to do that. I don't know if they have. Obviously, I don't know what records they have and don't have. I don't know how good they were about keeping those kind of records. Uh, you know, you would think, particularly with evidence and the necess necessity for chain of custody, that uh, a, a significant destruction in a fire in a storage bin, which would seemingly affect not just this case, but lots of other cases, would be something that would be well documented and would have at some point cropped up in another case somewhere. And as far as I know, that hasn't happened. Nobody's mentioned that. Uh, the Arkansas DNA statute became effective on August 13, 2001. According to its legislative history, the statute was subtitled as, quote, an act to provide methods for preserving DNA and other scientific evidence and to provide a remedy for innocent persons who may be exonerated by this evidence. I want to point out here that one of the reasons they passed this DNA statute was because of pressure from uh, 
West Memphis Three supporters. The idea that the system has somehow been totally oblivious to the wants, needs, desires of the West Memphis Three defense is, of course, ridiculous. Uh, the prosecution is the prosecution, but the, the state actually went out of its way to pass this DNA statute, which they needed to do anyway, but the impetus to some extent was the West Memphis Three case. Since that date, for the last 20 years, it has been a criminal offense for any prosecuting attorney, attorney or law enforcement agency to purposely violate its provisions. To date, all the evidence spoilation we've heard about and recounted above in the West Memphis Three case has occurred within the last past 15 years. Okay, and the question becomes, was any of the evidence purposely destroyed, lost, set on fire? You know, uh, and, and you know, I, they, they, nobody should be destroying evidence in this fashion. Is there an argument about that anywhere? Uh, the case is essentially closed. They, they, you know, uh, they pled guilty, and uh, there's no, uh, uh, there no, there's no exonerating evidence that's ever been presented. There are no uh, good suspects. There's no obvious investigation going on into anybody else on either the defense or the prosecution side. And that's been true since the release of the West Memphis Three, despite their statements that they were going to go out and, you know, do an OJ and find the real killers. So, in, the sen in a sense, uh, You know, there's there's no really nowhere to go with this, but the, the evidence is supposed to be permanently preserved, and apparently there were some failings there. But to, to determine whether it was purposely done would require uh, an investigation. Uh, if, if we're talking about the last 15 years, we're talking about the internal workings of the. Oh my God. We're talking about the internal workings of the. West Memphis Police Department and they've had changes in personnel, a new chief, all sorts of other things that have gone on in the last 15 years, a lot of turnover in personnel. So, you know, and I don't know how good their records are. I mean, I had some dealings with the West Memphis Police and uh, when I worked at the West Memphis newspaper, pretty obviously I did. And they seemed like a reasonably efficient bunch for in, for a uh, town of that size. And uh, the two uh, police chiefs that were there during the time I was there, because the changeover occurred between Powder and his successor, uh, occurred while I was there. They, those, those guys were well regarded and very professional. And a lot of the policemen I dealt with seemed very professional. But, you know, I don't know, really, I would question how, you know, in-depth their record-keeping might be. I'm not saying they're negligent or uh, even negligent. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying who knows what kind of records they keep 
for all these different things. And they're being asked for all these records by this petition. And I've got somewhere I've got to go in a little bit, so I'm going to have to keep this brief and not ramble on too much. Uh, it could hardly, and this is what the petition says, it could hardly be clear from the limited factual record known to date that the West Memphis Police Department authorities and those who might have directed their actions have been derelict, possibly, possibly criminally derelict, in fulfilling their evidentiary preservation duties under the, the Arkansas DNA Act. They're only purposely, only criminally derelict if they purposely destroyed evidence, even if it wasn't with the and that could be just well we don't have room for it anymore let's just burn it now that would be purposeful it might not have any malicious intent toward the West Memphis three but it would be under the statute that would be criminal and it would be negligent and it would be prosecutable and the truth is is they should probably should somebody should answer to the state for that if that's what happened but so far we don't really know what you know we don't know what the facts actually are. The limited factual record, this is indeed a very limited factual record. We don't know what's going on here. In the, uh, here this is sort of an argument, so I'm going to get into this a little bit. In the face of the clear and mandatory duties posed by this statute, how can the prosecuting attorney even attempt to explain such conduct with the non sequitur that, quote, in cases like this, the evidence is often destroyed? They asked a question, they didn't end it with a question mark, but I'll, I'll leave that aside. Uh, multiple wrongs do not make a right. The, it's not really a non sequitur, it's just simply an explanation that, you know, things happen. People don't like to hear that, but things happen. People make mistakes, things get misplaced, it's not supposed to happen. There are procedures in place to minimize this, but even in the best procedures, things happen. Evidence goes missing. It's not just at West Memphis. It's probably every police department of any size. It could hardly be also hardly be clear that the limited factual record to date, known to date needs to be fully developed so the court has before it the full extent of what happened to which evidence when where and how, including why neither the court nor Eccles counsel were ever advised of these multiple evidentiary transgressions over the years in order to consider the appropriate remedies for this misconduct. Now, you know, misconduct hasn't been proved. Uh, the Eccles and his counsel have been able to uh, uh, ask for this evidence to be re-examined, as I say, for almost a decade. They haven't done it. They still haven't done it. Uh, I, it's not clear from that statute that they're, but the prosecution or, or whoever's in charge of the evidence is actually responsible for announcing to everyone that the evidence is no longer available. If they were even aware of it, things get, you know, they... Things get, I'm, I don't know how they could not have been aware, aware of a fire, but were they, under that statute, are they responsible for, I, I don't, I don't see anything where they're responsible for informing the defendants that the, the evidence in their case has been destroyed. 
uh, would be nice to have and some additions to the limited factual record. Prompt and complete response to the information request that Eccles July 6 Freedom of Information Act request is a vital first step in the development of such a full factual record. And it's a very, very comprehensive list. Obviously, Eccles didn't do it. It's his attorneys. But, you know, it asked for all sorts of records that they probably don't have. A lot of the, there's probably no record and never was any record of a lot of the stuff that he's asking. But, you know, let them come up with the stuff. And, you know, that they were under a time constraint. It was a very comprehensive list. Not really making excuses, but some things just take time, particularly when you're talking about paperwork. Uh, did they make any effort to do this at all? I have no idea. Neither does anybody else. And uh, the consequences for not following through on the Freedom of Information Act may be just because it's, you know, I mean, nobody's going to go to prison for that. So I don't know if they're that worried about it, uh, frankly. And then they ask for relief and... The new MVAC DNA testing technology is precisely the type of scientific step forward contemplated by the DNA statute. The West Memphis Police Department's failure to properly reserve the West Memphis 3 case evidence that not by subjected to such testing is precisely the type of law enforcement step backward that entirely undermines the purpose of the statutes. The tragedy continues. And again, They've had the opportunity to have this evidence tested by MVAC for almost 10 years. Uh, and then the, the Eccles asked the court to declare that the West Memphis Police Department has, by its own admissions, violated the Arkansas DNA statute's evidence preservation obligations in the West Memphis 3 case. I'm not sure that's, they would have to go to court to prove that and join the West Memphis Police Department for any further failures to preserve any of the remaining evidence in the West Memphis 3 case um, and direct the department to provide a full and complete response to his Freedom of Information Act request about the lost, displaced, and destroyed case evidence. Provide a reasonable opportunity for Eccles to take discovery to further develop the factual record as what of what has inspired with transpired with respect to the West Memphis 3 case evidence. In other words, they're going to look closely at the what happened with the case evidence, but they're not going to actually this is not about re-examining the evidence for DNA. It's about making a big deal about the failures of the West Memphis Police Department. And you know what it really is is a very typical sort of uh, misdirection. Supporters love to do this where they bring up trifling details about so and so and overlooking the great details concerning the guilt of the West Memphis Three. They're a lot more many of them seem to be a lot more concerned with Mr. Bojangles than they are with Damien Eccles' history of violent mental illness, his description of himself as being homicidal, suicidal, and a sociopath. For instance, 
because that doesn't fit the picture that they're trying to paint. Instead, they go over here and talk about some vagrant who had a bad night, who's messed up a fast food restaurant's restroom. And establish a post-discovery briefing schedule to address the potential remedies the court might impose as a result of the misconduct at issue therein and award such further relief as the court might deem just and proper. And with that, you know, when they're talking about reward, uh, award, any, any further, award such further relief, you know, I just think that Eccles is just looking to cash in on this somehow. Maybe make an, you know, one last bid for exoneration, a pardon from the governor or something like that on the basis of this. But, you know, I think he's really just, I don't know that he really cares about that so much because, you know, all his supporters don't believe he's a convicted killer anyway, even though he is. But I, you know, I think he just is basically looking for some sort of influx of money, and uh, maybe the court will, the courts will, this will, this action will somehow open the door to that. Now, I've already rambled on quite a bit about this. This is not going to be a long episode since it's basically just a follow-up and uh, to try to fix a problem with an earlier episode. I do actually have somewhere I have to go, so I'm signing off. I will talk to you again soon. Bye.